Second Peter, you know, the, the, the saying goes for people who read and study, as we do, through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, sort of verse by verse or section by section. For people who do that, we have a saying, it just seems like where we are you know, searching for subjects, if I searched for the subjects of what's going on in culture today, every single week it would be a big what's going on in culture today because every week something's going on huge, right? It's endless. We're searching to know Jesus, to follow him, and to be a light in a dark world. That's always been the call of the Christian. It's never been different. It doesn't change to be a light in a dark place because without Jesus, according to the scriptures, the world is a dark place. Even in the 1950s, for middle-class Americans, the world's a dark place, (laughs) even when Leave it to Beaver existed, if he did indeed. Because without Christ, there's darkness in our hearts and there's lostness in our souls. And we are called to be a light in the dark. Now, sometimes it feels, seems, and may actually in some ways be darker than it was a little earlier. (laughs) Well, it's always darkest at night just before the dawn. You know, I don't know what it is, but is the sun coming up earlier these days? Here it's like 4.30, 5 o'clock, it's shining through. In my world, it's like, so like 3 o'clock, 3.30, it's really dark. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that there is light and life in Jesus Christ. That you are the light that lights every man or woman or child who comes into this world. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live under the oppression of darkness or battle in the flesh and the human nature against darkness, but that we can be a light as we follow you and pray and hope and believe that you will let others see light in our lives and they too will follow you. We're not here to hate anyone, be angry at people. We are here to love you and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we do pray for people in persecuted lands today before we begin this study that you would meet them in a powerful way and that their light would shine in the darkness of persecution and that others would come to that light. Be with our brothers and sisters. And now, Lord, be with us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. By way of review, two weeks ago, Tom taught a study in Romans 8 last week. If you haven't heard it, you should go online and listen to it. Wonderful. Uh, Jesus had told Peter three times in John chapter 21, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Twice the word feed, twice of the three times, is the word that would translate shepherd my sheep. To shepherd is to guard, to feed, and to warn when it comes to human sheep. You know, you don't go to a 
ah, lamb, and go, I'm warning you. <laughs> but you do to people. You warn your children about danger. And a shepherd must warn because if he doesn't, he's just fattening them up for the kill. So Peter issues a warning in chapter 2 of Second Peter. He said, and we read two weeks ago as we read through verse 2 and 3, alongside the real prophets and prophecies in the Old Testament, there were always false prophets. And it tells us in verse 2 that many will follow their destructive ways. That's not an encouraging word. Many will follow destructive false teaching. Are you there? Are you hearing me? It's not the words of Rick Cohen. It's the words of Peter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Many people. Now, we're not trying to get an us and them mentality are led astray because that's what the Bible tells us. One Old, Test- one Old Testament example of scores of them of what he's talking about back then is in Isaiah chapter 39 and 10. This is a rebellious people. Lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who say to the seers, which is just really a prophet, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits, which also can translate very well Illusions. Da 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 da. You know, <laughs> illusion, false things. And kings of Israel and commoners alike would yield to these false prophets so much. In the New Testament, Acts 4 16 and 17, some of you are very familiar. The religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, the ruling group under the Romans who ruled the nation as Jews and religious leaders as well as government leaders. What shall we do to these men, speaking of Peter, James, John, the apostles who were preaching in the name of Jesus? What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, which was the healing of a lame man. And we cannot deny it, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. (laughs) There's nothing new under the sun, Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes. So censoring speech, controlling your speech of what you're allowed to say or not to say has been going on. A very long time. You're not used to it. I'm not used to it. But all over the world, it's been going right in the midst of Israel where Jesus lived, died, and rose again. Don't ever speak in this man's name. You know, they kind of couldn't listen to that because there's a higher authority. But the highest spiritual leaders in the nation led the way to persecution. And that's the historic issue that was going on. So Jesus had said to them, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Every single prophet that came to the people was persecuted 
and many were killed. There's nothing new under the sun. Okay. He goes, then go ahead and fill up the measure of your father's sin. Go ahead. Not like he really wanted them to. He's saying, you just, you're doing what you're doing, and here's what you're doing. Can you see it? Now, remember in all of this, just as there would be no porn sites, there would be no child trafficking, which is horribly huge right now. No child trafficking, no drugs flowing into our nation, fentanyl, etc., if there were no customers. Many will follow is a sad truth. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. When I came to jail, anything, I was dead in sin and lost in my life and hopeless and trying to work my way through as an 18-year-old, confused young man. On my road to quickly towards drug addiction, and Jesus saved me because I needed him, and he's my God and my King and my Lord. And I didn't become a pastor because I couldn't wait to rail on things. (laughs) I'm pretty much like... In my natural state, I am like the, and I'm just using me as an example. This isn't all about Rick Cohen, but just to help you. You know, I'm really, who are you in Toy Story? Well, a lot of people say I'm the potato head. (laughs) But who I really was in my earlier days was the dinosaur. I hate confrontation. (laughs) I don't know why that came into my mind right now, but at least you'll pray for me. You'll realize the guy lives in cartoon stories. And the Bible. I haven't read this verse out loud for a long time. Matthew 7, 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. And here's the thing we need to remember. If the ultimate end of the road to rebellion is what Roman deep, dark, um, perverse sin and sexual perversion, etc., things that just aren't right. If you're in rebellion to God in other ways, you're on the same road. It's just further down the same road. That's why we don't rail on people and just fume with anger and self-righteousness because we know our temptation is to rebel against God. Am I correct? Are you ever tempted in rebellion against God? That road is the very same road. That's why on Wednesday night we talked, and I won't, I won't, you Wednesday nighters, take a deep breath. I won't go on and on. But we have been so pushed in our face or so consumed by um, transgenderism 
it's like people are just fine with sexual impurity in the heterosexual world. It doesn't even matter. It's like, well, at least my kid's not doing that. They're not changing sex. No, listen, it's all the same road. Okay, we'll stop there. I think that's plenty. Let's eat. <laughs> well, maybe I'll give you some hope here. Okay, so <laughs> and actually read through it. So, um, so I hate being deceived, don't you? I was, I've told some, I know some of you have heard this, but I'm in Israel, and, and the street vendor is selling belts, and he's got this really cool belt, and he wants $10, but I know you're always supposed to dicker. So I dickered him down as I'm just to get on the bus, and I'm going, no, 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 $5 is all I'll spend, $5 is all I'll spend. Finally he goes, okay, $5, you got me. And I give him the $5, and he gives me the belt. Only the belt isn't the belt, the thick, beautiful belt that would be $40, $60 here. It was the other belts that he didn't show you that he pulled out. And it was a $5. <laughs> if I was lucky, it was a $5 belt. And I went, oh, I can't believe what I got on the bus. And I went, oh, I started to go. I started to brag to everybody. And then I went, oh, I can't believe it. Look what he did. And, and you know what I did? I laughed. Because you know what? Getting tricked for $5 on a street vendor is funny. Getting deceived about your eternal destiny is not funny. It's not funny. And if you or I think we can't be deceived, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So, judgment's coming to them. God's not slack, not forgetful. He's not impotent. He's not unable. He is patient and working in verse 4 through 11. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh, that's human nature in rebellion against God, those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority, they are presumptuous, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord." Yeah. He says, take note of these examples. Fallen angels, some of them are not waiting for judgment. Some of them have already entered their judgment. Who sought to pervert and possibly even procreate. And we, Genesis 6 is debated whether they actually took human form in a way and actually had relations with women in one way or another, whether that's completely true or not, they tried to pervert the holy line through which God had planned redemption for mankind from 
you know, Cain kills Abel, and Cain runs, has to leave, and then Eve, Eve, Adam and Eve have Seth, and then we go from there to Noah, and from Noah, we just have his family and his three sons, but through one of them is Shem, and through Shem, we get to a man named Abraham. Give that man two cupcakes. <laughs> we have two cupcakes. We, from, Sh- from Shem, we get to Abraham. God was using a, a line of people, and he would then really take it on with Abraham and bring through to bring the seed of promise, Jesus Christ, who would be the Son of God. This is the plan of the Bible. This is from the very beginning known, Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. That was God's plan, and God spoke it. And Satan knew it. Really, God judged mankind once because every thought had become evil continually other than Noah. And evidence of the flood exists across the world. Now, cynics suggest that it's a fairy tale, that it's repeated in different places because it plays well to talk about the flood. Evidence suggests that there's signs of the flood everywhere. We're not doing a science thing right now, but... Number two, he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah who were destroyed, which you know about. Evidence there of the Dead Sea is really where those cities were, and there's rocks that are fused together, etc. You know, you can try to rewrite the Bible, but it won't publish in heaven. I didn't make that up. I just think it's pretty cool. Uh, it won't publish in heaven that the, the, there, some of the deception in the last uh, half a century has been to reinterpret the Bible to say that God is accepting of homosexual behavior. We do not hate any... Listen, people have problems. People have been bent in directions. Every one of us has gone through something. Some of you have even been bent in that direction. We would welcome and embrace anybody who wants to interact and discuss and care about finding God, and we're not here to beat up on people. But there are people teaching as if the Bible says that really the sin of Sodom wasn't homosexuality because it also says their pride and other. They had a lot of sins. But clearly the Scriptures, Old and New Testament, here's the deal. One man, one woman, one relationship is God's ideal. Failure exists everywhere, but complete rebellion is another story where we go on our own. You know, when you make man the center of the universe, meaning men and women, and you begin to teach that you're the center of the universe and whatever makes you feel good, you know, there are things that make me feel good initially that are really bad for me. (laughs) Sometimes it's a German chocolate cake. Sometimes it's far worse than that. Sometimes it made me feel good when I, I said I didn't like confrontation, but I can remember railing on somebody being very self-righteous and feeling good in the moment. And I felt terrible later because I was so wrong for the way I'd done that. And I haven't even gotten 100% over that. There's these moments that happen. We acknowledge that all of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us sin. But we acknowledge that we need to be changed. 
other people with the same face, with the same level, with the same reality. If you can't do that, you're not facing reality. That is reality, according to the Scriptures. So there are some of these false teachers today are teaching a whole other gospel, writing a new Bible. It's endless. So um, you can re- rewrite the Bible if you want to, but it won't publish in heaven. And the amazing thing about the story that I would focus on here, there's so much here, and Bill can come back and pick up all the pieces later, uh, is Lot, righteous Lot. You know his story. Most of you know his story. It says he was oppressed or worn out by the evil that was the conduct that existed every single day in Sodom, where he lived. Where he lived because he chose to live there when he had other choices. Are you with me? Lot willingly and knowingly moved into this place. It's good for us to ask ourselves, How much do I enter into the ungodly realm willingly through media or other relationships? Is it important to examine if we're willingly exposing ourselves to wickedness? There is a difference than your your kids being taught the blessing of transgender, etc. The people that were going to college 30 and 40 years ago, and Christians were saying, boy, these colleges, these professors are really turning a direction really strongly. Well, you guys are extremists. None of this stuff's going to happen. We're just telling people that they're not under the bondage of your religious thing. Well, we just want you to be more fair. And to, no. So who are the people in charge in every, I mean, in our government and in our school system and in advertising agencies, some of the biggest advertising agencies, and you know all that's going on right now. It has a source. So without laboring that, okay, uh, Lot willingly moved in. Is it important for you and I to examine if we're willingly exposing ourselves to wickedness? As Tom taught last week, which of the two lions in you are you feeding? the lion of the flesh or the lion of the spirit. Yet even though Lot was seemed so very weak, Peter calls him righteous. Doesn't that make you your head spin a little bit? It does. He was delivered. He was saved. He escaped the judgment. Pretty. It wasn't pretty. Yeah. What faith and righteousness do we see in Lot? That he did say yes to the angels that came to take him and said, I'll go. He followed them. He tried to protect them, but there was weirdness there too with his daughters. He went out with the angels and escaped, but he left a train wreck behind him. He left a train wreck behind him. He lost his witness to his family, and he lost his family. No, Rick. I mean, his wife lost his family. Did you read what happened with the daughters? Their perverted view of how life should work when they escaped Sodom can tell you the whole story. There was a lostness there, too. 
Perhaps Jude was thinking about Lot, among others, in Jude 22 and 23. It's only one chapter. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. I can see that in Lot. The angels pulled him out before the judgment. Many of us believe, along with other biblical reasoning that's in the Scriptures, that God will remove his bride, the church, in what's called the rapture before the great tribulation. Now, that's not an absolute. It's a debated point, and it's totally okay. We don't need to. And by the way, world events that happen when you say, this automatically must mean the Antichrist is two months away. You know, do you know barcodes? When barcodes came out and they had three sixes, it was like, this is it! (laughs) Just, here's what to do about that. Stop. (laughs) Oh, just stop. Now, to say, well, this doesn't, for the sake of the children, you know, if if God says I'll put an end, our children, a lot bigger deal than barcodes. It looks a lot closer, and we are absolutely closer because we're 40 years from that. So we're 40 years closer. And, and we're to be looking for Jesus at any moment all the time. To be ready to go is to be ready to stay. To be ready to stay is to be ready to go. So that's the way you live. And the, 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 God will remove his bride, I believe, the church. There, the, these pictures give us that among other scriptures, such as 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, which is the great tribulation, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The great tribulation, a time coming, a seven-year period, which is particularly the last three and a half years, the wrath of God is poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. As it was, it will be. But Lot, is that the way we want to leave here? Do you want to leave here like Lot left Sodom? Train wreck behind you? Lot was not really ready to go. And he wasn't ready to he wasn't ready to stay properly, and he wasn't ready to go. The words Lot spoke to the wicked of, of Sodom fell on deaf ears. Now granted, they were far gone. They were beyond the place where they were going to turn. That's what the angels went to see, and that's what they found out. And it wasn't impatient, slow, it wasn't impatient, quick. Um, off the handle, flying off the handle, judgment by God. And there's a long story there of Abraham and others and the witness of God to the people in that land pleading with them to turn from their sin. That is not talked about much. And I can't really do that today either. But they were far gone, but it's haunting that his witness spoke louder than his words. Witnessing is not what we do. Witnessing is what we are. We are witnesses. You shall be my witnesses, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons appointed by the Father, but you will be my witnesses. And yes, that means speaking. What you know is true. But it's being a witness is being a true witness. None of us is perfect. But witnessing 
It's haunting that his witness, his life, spoke louder than his words. Bulls railing on Satan and demons. Dignitaries is actually all the scholars I could find believe that speaking of, though they're fallen, they're still the rebellious in the heavenlies doing their thing under Satan's dominion. And, and Peter declares that we're just to not, the angels don't even get into encounters of discussion with them. You know, there's a lot of, sometimes men boldly comment on things they haven't really seen into. And uh, while Paul and Peter and, and others in the New Testament encountered demons, they simply commanded the demons to leave. The Lord rebuke you was good enough for the angel. That's good enough for me. I don't need to get in it. Uh, the show teachers, the people who put on the shows, uh, evangelists who you sometimes see uh, go into these great extensive details of theatrics. Let's just be honest. Theatrics, and they talk about and act in ways that like the Bible doesn't speak about as if they have secret knowledge of things that are not revealed in Scripture. I would stay, I would be very careful about sensationalism. You watch Jesus. Yes, he scooped mud and he made spit and there's a whole, but he didn't do a lot of theatrics. Verses 12 through 22. We'll read them. We won't. But these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls." They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. That uh, means money, right? But he, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than have known it in turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow has washed her wallowing in the mire. So something comes to me that just came to me and I want to be careful and I want to be right and I am not better than anyone. I just, I just, if you listen to famous evangelists and preachers who do um, lots of studies on God is for you, God is for you. God is with you. I agree, God is with you. God wants you to be happy and blessed and, you know, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Now, I'm not so sure that that's the... And I want you to go into their record of their teachings. 
any of them, and see if they've taught through 2 Peter chapter 2. See if they're willing to even read this. Do you think I want to read this? I can't wait to... (laughs) This is hard stuff, isn't it? This is reality. The people you listen to outside of here, do they ever teach through the Bible on these issues? Or is it always a positive, wonderful, make-you-feel-good message? And by the way, please support this ministry. God have mercy. Any of them. A shepherd guards the sheep. Peter is a good under-shepherd here. And it ain't easy. Peter's further description of these false prophets and teachers describes the emptiness of what they're doing because they're able to deceive people by giving people things they want to hear that make them feel good and will loosen their purse strings towards these guys. I don't need to go through all that list. But I do think Balaam is a prime example. In Numbers 22 through 24, you don't need to turn there, he found a way, he could not find a way to curse Israel. God wouldn't let him. So he found a way to stumble Israel by saying, send in to Barak, the king of the Moabites, the Moabites, and send your young girls in with their uh, idols and some candles. <laughs> I'm making up the candles, but it fits. <laughs> you know, have them come and knock on the tent doors, the tent curtains, say, hello. Young men of Israel, even you old men, we want to show you how we worship our God. Let's have a worship service. You might call it an orgy. We call it worship. And you know the men of Israel, they just, they were unstable souls. They went after it. And God had to deal with them because they're his children doing wrong things. It's true, back in the day, everybody's parent looked out for all the kids in the neighborhood. But it started to get that point where you kind of had to be careful that you didn't start disciplining other people's kids, right? And you, and you do always, you know, like, send them to their parent, let their parent, but you, you know, you're, you're Beth Cohen, you're David Cohen. You're in our household. You're, this, you're a Cohen. This is how we behave. This is how we don't behave in this house. And this is what you're going to do and not do. And this is what's going to happen with you because of what you did. I don't care what the other kids did. We'll hope their parents will discipline them. God had to discipline his people. It was, again, it wasn't pretty. And so he got, uh, he got a lot of money, and uh, getting money from people who want to hear of personal success and blessing, but not the truth of how to reverence God. Listen to me. Who don't want to hear how to reverence God in difficult times. How to serve and reverence God when it's not easy. They don't want to hear that. Speak unto us smooth things. Here's a, before we finish, an article 
I'm coming in the middle of a doctor who harmed patients. And how serious is this when a medical practitioner, a neurologist, two years that Dr. Dunch, a blue-eyed, smooth-talking, former college football player, practiced medicine in Dallas. He had operated on 37 patients, almost all of them, 33 to be exact had been injured during or after these procedures, suffered almost unheard of complications. Some had permanent permanent nerve damage. Several woke up from surgery unable to move from the neck down or feel one side of their body. Two died in the hospital, including a 55-year-old school teacher undergoing surgery. Multiple layers of safeguards are supposed to be in place to protect patients from doctors who are incompetent or dangerous or to provide them with redress if they are harmed. Dunch, Dr. Dunch, illustrates how easily these defenses can fail, even in egregious cases. This part is haunting. This part makes me, if everybody left the church for something I said and I said the right thing, I wouldn't care. I would care, but I wouldn't flinch. Neurosurgeons are worth millions in revenue for hospitals. So Dunch was able to get operating privileges at a string of Dallas-area institutions Once his ineptitude became clear, most chose to spare themselves the hassle and legal exposure of firing him outright and instead let him resign with his reputation intact failed to report him to the database run by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services that is supposed to act as a clearinghouse for information on problem practitioners warning potential employees about their histories. The article goes on to track how hard it was and how long it took to catch this guy. Now, that's horrible. You're scandalized by this. Someone says, I'll never go to Dallas. (laughs) It could happen a lot of places. They're pretty sophisticated. It's not like backwoods Texas. Don't do that. That's, That's missing the point. Most of us, right now, you want to get up and do something about it. You want to go grab this guy, right? You think about the people who died, people who are paralyzed, etc. But you also want to go grab those hospitals administrators, right? I'm not saying we all are violent. I'm just saying, you know, it just, it, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just somebody who hurts your body. That's just somebody who took from you your physical ability. Well, Rick, isn't that the most important thing? If you don't have your health, you have nothing. It is horrible. But what about the eternal destiny of people? Here's how Jesus 
prioritizes. Mark 8. We're almost done. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. These are overwhelming words from what people call, well, Jesus was just the nice hippie preacher, just love and peace, and he never struck a socking about. I'm not saying Jesus was ruthless and mean at all. He was completely loving, but he was so loving that he was willing to sacrifice himself, be misunderstood, and be hated. We have to stop worrying about whether people love us. And we need to start, I don't mean start like nobody's doing it, but we need to stop worrying about whether people love us, but not become arrogant. I don't care what you think about me. That's not love either. We need to care about them and love them. Love people enough at your school, of your friends, at your workplace, in your family. Love my, the people in my life enough when I have the ability to tell them the truth, to tell them the truth. And I and you were being pushed to a time when you and I are going to make a stand one way or the other. It's going to happen. And you're, and you listening, you're going to decide not, well, I think I'll just skirt over here and avoid all this. You're not going to be able to. And I think in that regard, this is a, because the skirting and skating and not just, I just don't want to get involved or I don't want to have to say anything or I don't want anybody not to like me is not Christianity. It's selfism. And we're kind of being, I don't know how long. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I prophesy in the sense that everyone prophesies who opens God's word and speaks under his spirit. If you speak a right thing in a right moment, it's a prophetic word. You don't get brownie points. You don't get anything. It's just a good thing that God uses us all, and he can use you just as much as me, perhaps many of you more. And be ready for that. Be ready for God to call upon what your role is as a Christian. People are losing their soul, their eternal destiny. Is this a scare tactic by Pastor Rick? I just read you what Jesus said. Is he just using a scare tactic? Or does he love people enough to tell them the truth? The false prophets will continue up till the false prophet, the false prophet, who introduces and glorifies the Antichrist. They will continue 
and they will become more pronounced in culture of all kinds of false prophets, religious and non-religious, etc. Could be a long time. It could it's coming soon. That's an opinion. I could be wrong. My clock in my mind could be wrong. So could yours. But Jesus commanded us to be ready at all times for his coming. Are you ready for Jesus to come today? Are you ready? We get ready for many things with great intensity. We, got, we really focus. Some of you, you go away for a four-day weekend. You spend two weeks getting ready every single day, maybe two months. And it's intense. And if I'm, I want it to be right when I go on this trip. This is a big deal. Hitting anybody here? It's a big deal to you. I'm not faulting you. Take all the time you want about that thing. You, you buy a car. How intense are you on in finding the right car? It's annoying, yes. It's, but it's more annoying if you don't take any time and then you get a lemon, so. I I'm not faulting the intensity that we do for things, can, can you, but have you looked at your life? Have you honestly looked at, at your life and said, how focused am I on the things of God and being prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ? I'm not doing you any favors or myself if I don't ask you the hard questions. This is more important than going to a neurosurgeon. How intense would you be to go in for neurological surgery because you want to come out with your body working? Are you following extremism? It's not extremism to focus your mind and heart on the kingdom of God. It's the only thing that 100% forever matters. Peter is talking about the days of Noah and Lot. What made him think of these two? Why are we reading it today? Because it just is where we are. I didn't pick this. It's just where we are. This week, but next week will probably be even more intense. Not, I mean, here I mean in the world. But why did Peter think of these two guys? Luke 17, 26 through 29, and we'll end. Jesus speaking, Peter listening, are you focused? Jesus speaking, Peter's in the crowd, he's one of the 12 with all the other people, he's listening to Jesus. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. 
They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. I'll stop for a second. It doesn't talk about the debauchery and the evilness of every thought because Jesus knows everybody knows that. He's saying that even while they were doing all their evil things, their lives just seemed like they were going to go on and on and on. That's what he's saying there. Likewise, also, it was in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day, on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. That could mean, that could be the end of the Great Tribulation. I could see somebody interpreting it that way. It kind of doesn't matter. (laughs) If you're ready, you're ready. And if you're not ready, what did Tom tell us last week? One of the harder he put his kids, he's an abusive man. No, <laughs> he, put, he put his kids, he put his kids, the, the statue of limitations is probably over for that. Uh, he put his kids on a fence and had them sit there until they got uncomfortable so they realized you can't ride the fence forever. If you're in here today and you're riding the fence, it's time to get off. If you're in here today and you're riding the fence, It's time to get off the fence. And you who believe, you have a hope that is unshakable even in the face of any evil, any evil, Satan himself. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Simple words, standing in the truth of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my words will never pass away. If you haven't been baptized as a believer, we brought extra clothing that you can change into. We have four people getting baptized. It's a wonderful thing. But maybe it's your turn too. Maybe you even get wet in the clothes you're in and just go home and change, get your car wet. It's not beautiful lake. It's not Palisade Park, Pirate's Cove in Southern California. The, and the people that decided to get baptized today, I didn't convince them, but I encouraged them. It's like, this isn't, you know, you could wait for another time when there's a pretty situation. But the beauty of what you're doing is that you're obeying God when you have a chance to do it, and you're doing it. And that is going to be more important to you than any situation or um, romantic setting. And if you're here today and you've not been baptized and you, your heart is pumping, you haven't turned to Jesus, do both. Turn to Jesus. Let us pray with you and go into the waters of baptism and be obedient and make a stand. And get off the fence while you can decide to do it instead of getting pushed one way or the other.
Let's stand.